Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about With Honors? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. Hello. How are you? Good morning or afternoon, whichever. <laughs> it is 1 p.m. It is 1 p.m. <laughs> uh, I'm okay. I'm like feeling a little like sleepy today. Um, I fell asleep on my couch last night, which I don't mind doing, but um, then I wake up and then it takes me for some reason like an hour to get all my shit like just... To just get like in my my room and like get like lay down and stuff, so because like I'll go to the bathroom and I'll like get water, you know what I mean? And so it's it's there's like this, like I'll sleep on the couch for like four hours, but then I wake up and then I'm up for an hour and then I go back to sleep, but so I get like so I didn't I feel like I didn't get like quite enough sleep, you know what I mean? Like I'm like okay, yeah, I go for another hour or two, whatever. But yeah, story of my life. That happens to me too. And it's it's sort of a weird phenomenon because I'll lay on my couch and I'll fall into the, like the most blissful sleep. Yeah. And I'll wake up and I'll think, I should move this sleeping into my bed. <laughs> right. But I'm so comfortable on the couch, but I know that if I continue on the couch, I'll be angry. But usually my laziness wins out and so I'm like I'll just lay on the couch a little longer and then I wake up like an hour later and then I think I could have done all this sleep and like the tv is on and the lights are on and I think I could have done all this sleeping in my dark bedroom in my warm cozy bed and then yeah if I if I fell asleep early enough in the evening I usually have to like get up and like wash my face and brush my teeth and then yep. I get in bed and I'm like well now I'm awake <laughs> yep yep no, yeah. So I know exactly what you mean. There's something like very cozy about unexpectedly falling asleep on the couch. I know, I know. And I have like the comfiest couch too. And mine has a million pillows on there. So like if I fall, like, and I purposely will fall asleep, you know, um, on the couch, but there's something about like not, I feel like I just don't, maybe fully get a, a full night's sleep if I sleep on the couch and then I go to my bed, you know, or mm -hmm. something. And I think it's because I just don't fall asleep on my couch early enough. So like if I'm falling, I'm like falling asleep at like 2 a.m. and then I get up at 6. Like, yeah, <laughs> of course you're not getting enough sleep, you know. Oh, well, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I that mean, makes sense. Then I go back to sleep, but it's, I was like up at like 11 and I was like watching TikToks and stuff like that. And just like trying to, I, last night I was going through like all the special effects that they have on TikTok and um, saving them and everything. And I'm <laughs> just like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I'm like, how do people edit these great videos? Like these are, like I like to study people's videos because some of them are really nicely edited. Like they look or like they're almost professionally done. And I'm like, I'm like, I want that. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, I need that in my life. So I have to learn how to do that. And it's, I think it'll be fun to learn. I think it'll be fun little process to learn, you know, but um, still a process either way. Yeah. 
Yeah. Does TikTok ruin your eyes? Because one of the one of the contributing factors for me getting rid of TikTok was it killed my eyes. Like if I watch TikToks for too long, like it made everything like blurry. Like oh. it really messed with my eyes. And so that among other things was one of the reasons I deleted the app. Now I even noticed that. It's it's more like I don't know. Like there I I I think I've reached like a certain place in TikTok where it's pretty curated for like myself, but I've never noticed like like an eye thing, but there are like a couple of videos we'll sneak in here and there. Like there's this one where this guy was like I made a pizza time to put the pizza in the oven and then it's like out of the oven and like that was the whole tiktok and i was like okay it's getting they're getting too they're getting too ridiculous for their own good no yeah, i like it was like it wasn't even ridiculous just like some older guy who just wanted to show everyone that he made a pizza it was kind of adorable yeah. but i was just like All right. i actually encountered some okay. tiktoks not like that but similar of like older people and they made me so uncomfortable because I, I couldn't figure out if they were supposed to be funny or if the people just are so tone deaf that they don't really understand modern like youth culture and they were just trying to partake. And it just like, I just, it was like, I, I didn't want to watch, but I did watch. And it was, what I'm thinking of is just like this older couple, they're probably in their like fifties and they would do like really awkward and not very good renditions of like movie scenes or famous song snippets and I could never tell if they thought that they were making good art or if they knew that they were like just making a joke right made me like that just makes me so uncomfortable because if I don't know if I should laugh or not yeah you know if I can't figure out what emotion you want to elicit from me then I just like (laughs) that's that's something I forgot about but yeah no I um Oh, yeah, I think that funny. there are people on there who just like m- maybe they think they're being like artistic in some way or like look at me I'm shaking it on its head like TikTok is like the front runner in youth culture right now but I'm turning it on its head you know maybe they're like that but I don't, part of me thinks that people just are like I just want to partake in this cultural thing <laughs> yeah I don't yeah. also I think <sighs> um I think it's interesting when I see people who are like middle age, older, I guess I'm almost middle age, but like, like fifties or sixties on TikTok. I thought it was kind of fascinating. There was this one woman who I follow whose name, like, I can't play, I can't remember what it is, but it's something like Nana knows best or whatever. And she'll make these videos where she's like, is someone making you feel bad in your life? And she's like, they get rid of them because they're a fucking loser. And I'm like, I love this woman <laughs> or something like that. It's like, probably, she's probably like in her seventies. And I'm just like, every time I'm like, I love her. <laughs> like I need someone yes. like that in my life. Who's just like, you know what? <laughs> these people suck. And I'm your grandmother. And I'm like, thank you. I don't have any grandparents, so that means a lot to me. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny because that sort of feeds into one of my mini topic topics. Oh yeah. Okay. Do you wanna do you wanna just have that was a a lovely segue? I think that wasn't my plan, but when you said it, you know, I think we should utilize (laughs) it to our to you know, (laughs) we should. Yeah. 
Do you okay. want to tell people what the mini topic is specifically? Yes. So the mini topic is overused or underused tropes we wish movies would use less or more of, and mine tend to be overused. So what are yours? Well, the one that is related to what you said is one that I really enjoy, and I think that they could use more of it. Like, I don't think it's underused necessarily, but I wouldn't mind seeing it way more often because I really like it. And it's old people who are very crass. Um, I love it. Like there's a scene in Super Bad where Jonah Hill is uh, daydreaming about how he's going to like steal alcohol from a, a convenience store. And he goes in and there's like this old lady and this old lady's like, would you like me to buy booze for you? And he says, I would. And then she, she and he's, so he's trying to, he's trying to have sex with a character named Jules. And as he's leaving, the old woman goes, have fun fucking Jules. And I, <laughs> Whenever I see stuff like that, I always think of the person behind the performance and I want to give that like elderly person a high five because they're so cool. Like, you know, what right. I mean? not horrified by anything. If they're putting the, I mean, I love it. And I, I love like crass old people and like, I don't know. I like it. <laughs> no, I like it too. I think the thing is that there's like this idea that is so as soon as someone hits like a certain age they're like supposed to be like a sweet old person and it's like your personality doesn't disappear when you turn a certain age like if you're gonna be you know if you're swearing like a, a sailor in your youth and you're still doing it throughout your middle age years you're probably still gonna be doing it when you're old too like it's just you know like it's yeah i i like that too it's it's like unexpected but at the same time you're like oh right older people can behave like that and older people are people yeah. <laughs> yeah like it's refreshing yeah and there's a difference it. for me like i don't like mean old people who swear i'm talking about like old people who uh like could hang out with us at a bar sort of thing right. yeah <laughs> or no, you know just totally old people who know old people who know that like young people have sex and young people have fun you know like old people who adventure i like that that's what I like. I don't like like mean old people who, you know, are just nasty. Yeah. yeah. So just yeah, to I get it. Clarify. I totally yeah. Get it. I get it. I totally get it. That's funny. Uh, I like it. Um, so my first one, and this is one I told you about when I had the idea, was that um, a woman having a kid just because she's a woman. I hate that. I hate that trope. Like, as a person who, as a woman who does not want children it's so fucking frustrating seeing a show where there's a woman who never makes any indication that she wants children whatsoever and then she's suddenly saddled with kids and it's just because she's a woman and it's like be nice to see the representation of a woman who's like no i don't want children and it's like thank you there are so many of us out there and like for some reason there's like this this trope where um you know it's like oh you have a vagina and a uterus so you have to have a child like it's are you like, talking about like you say saddled with children are you talking about like movies like raising helen where kate hudson is like this free and easy woman in a city and all of a sudden like she gets saddled with her sister's kids because some tragedy happens or are you talking about like characters who have like pregnancy scares 
No, I'm talking about, well, I mean saddle just like as a, I'm saying it in a way that means like burden. Um, but um, no, I mean like, um, so how I met your mother is the example that I put down because um, Lily seemed like she was never really into the idea of having kids like, and, and then she had one. And that's what I just take that with like a grain of salt because I liked how I met your mother, but I never really like, I was never super into it. So I don't think I've seen like every episode. It was like just here and there, but that's what I read online that someone had said that, that they were like, Lily never really won kids. And then she suddenly had a kid. And I was just like, why did they do that to her? And Robin, like, didn't she end up with like being a stepmom and she never wanted children either? Well, I mean, at the end, Robin and Ted, I guess, got together, but his kids were obviously older, so I don't know if Robin, I don't know if I would lump Robin in, but I agree with you about the Lily thing. Like, the the baby storyline did sort of come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, And I've watched How I Met Your Mother, and I'm pretty familiar with it, but there's a lot of details that have sort of fled my mind, because it's not like the office for me where I just like watch every episode 16 times, but I think that I don't think she ever said she didn't want kids. I never remember that, but I think she definitely never like they, it didn't seem like they talked about wanting kids ever. It's just like one season they were like having a kid, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah. that's an interesting point. I, I've never really thought about that. I do agree with you about stupid movies where it's like, here's a woman who's living her life and has a very full life and some tragedy happens and she has to inherit children. You know, I've seen stories like that. And I think that that's sort of ridiculous and like a really sad, (laughs) like why, why would this woman want these children? And now you're pushing children, which are lives like, lives of human beings into someone who doesn't want them you know yeah, yeah. so that's i yeah that's a weird trope a weird storyline it is it's a weird trope and i'm not talking about so much like that when i'm talking about more like biological kids but it's it's the same idea where it's like it's someone who never mentions that they want children and then they suddenly have kids i mean cuz i've talked and about like if- yeah, and if there's not like a pregnancy scare storyline where she like comes to terms with having a kid, right. and it's just all of a sudden it's like now I'm like I'm having a kid. What do you mean? This was my dream the whole time. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It drives me nuts. It's it's very like like it it's to me like it's a little bit insulting because it makes me feel like I don't. Like, it makes me feel like society is like, you don't actually know what you want. You don't really know. And I've heard that so many times. And it's always from other women. It's always from other women who are going, oh, but like, I'm going to just totally be so rude here, but I don't care because it's rude for people to say this, but they're like, oh, they're different when they're your own. I don't fucking care if they're my own, Stacy. I don't want children. Okay. <laughs> like, why do you got to get on my case about this? You know, it's like, or the, um, the, like the one I hate is like, well, like you might change your mind. It's like, okay, well, I'm 34 years old at this point in my life. You know what's probably not going to change? 
my mind about having children. Okay. So maybe let's just let it go. And it's, it's just the idea that like someone is like, oh, you don't actually know what you want with your body and your life. So I'm going to tell you what you want. And I'm like, no, no, like don't saddle me with children that are not my children. Don't give me a pregnancy that is not something I've ever wanted. Like, like, don't do that. Don't write that into women's storylines just because they're women. And it's like, it just drives me nuts. Like they're, they're I'm going to give an example of what I think is a, a well done way to do that. And that's in Brooklyn nine, nine, where one of the characters, Amy, she gets married to uh, Andy Samberg's character and she never really indicates that she doesn't want children, but she never indicates that she does want children. So when she does end up having a kid, it feels right because it's not like, it's just like, it, it flows with her character. You know what I mean? And with him, he was kind of like, I'm not sure if I want kids, but there's several foreshadowing events where he like mentions having children. So it, it's just like, it just it's like, don't include a woman having a child if it doesn't make sense with their character. You know, like, I know you've never really watched Sex and the City, but there's a character named Samantha on there. If Samantha had a kid, that would be the weirdest event ever. It would be like, like, she has said so many times how much she doesn't like children. And there's even one scene they're like in, and this, <laughs> she's always, she's my favorite because she's just so like, She's just so unashamedly and like all unapologetically herself. And I think she's like a queen. And um, there's this one scene where they're like at a diner restaurant and there's some kid like just losing her shit. And she stands up and she like says to the woman, she's like, will you shut your kid up? And I was like, this woman, this woman right here. <laughs> it's just, but it's. But like you under you understand what I mean, where it's just that frustration where it's it's like there's no reason for them to have a child because they never said that they wanted one. So why are you saddling them with one? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but I don't know if I would I've never looked at it from the perspective of, oh, they're doing that just because the character's a woman. I've looked at it from the perspective of like and a baby makes three, like in Twilight, where the oh, child yeah. is like like, it feels like the writer was, like, me when I was 10 years old. And I'm like, okay, now we're going to get married. And then we're going to have this Cabbage Patch baby. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, when I'm playing dolls in the basement. And, and so that sort of storyline is bothersome because, like, just like you said, like, people can live fulfilling long lives without having children. And you can write compelling stories with a single woman or with a woman in a relationship with a partner and her or they do not need to have children. Yeah. And I always, I guess I always looked at it as like, it's a baby makes three, like everything's perfect now because we have a baby. Yeah. And that, I, totally I see that too. I don't, I don't like that trope because I, I think that there are women who can't have children. There are right. men who can't have children. There are women who don't want children. There are men who don't want children and their lives are just as valid as, and talking about from your personal story, like it's really dangerous to talk to anybody about babies if they don't bring it up because you don't know what's going on in anyone's yeah. life. Like you don't know what is happening. Um, and so I do agree with you that some people like they, 
they overstep their boundaries because you can't assume that just because someone doesn't have kids is because they don't want them. Maybe they can't have them. Yep. You know, maybe they've been trying for years and years and years and they can't, ha- and you know, or maybe somebody did have a kid when they were like 18, they put the child up for adoption. And, yeah. and now you're acting like, well, if it was your kid, you'd and you're like make like maybe making them feel like, well, I did have a kid and I did what was better for them, you know? So yeah. And especially like if they're like, and I always regretted that or something. And it's like, but you don't know because now you're the asshole who's like, oh, well, no, you'll change your mind when you win. Yeah. Okay, you're not listening to me. <laughs> I do agree that it is a trope. Like, I think that there's a lot of things where it's like the trope sort of plays on people's emotions. Like if you have this, this, and this, then you're happy. When yeah. really people can be happy in so many different ways, you know? Yeah. And you know what would make me happy? Not having children. <laughs> yeah. My next trope is is kind of like it's not hand in hand with yours, but I think it goes it goes well with it. Um okay. and this is a trope I hate and it it I think it should stop like yesterday. And it's the trope of that women hate sex. Oh my god, I hate that too. And <laughs> It drives me insane because comedians talk about it, TV shows, movies. There's all this comedy around this myth that women hate having sex. And I don't know where it started from. I, I Every time I see it, it baffles me. In 30 Rock, which like blew my mind, Liz Lemon like is disparaging about sex all the time and i think what i always like i envision tina fey as being this like forefront for you know women you know right and and then her character is just like oh we only have sex once a week and that's awesome you know or stuff like that or or and i just i don't know where it started i have no idea right i think it needs to stop because i've never in my personal life of the women who I've talked about sex with, I've never met a woman who doesn't like sex. So where did it come from? Right. Well, so I don't totally agree with you on the Liz Lemon thing. I think that that's maybe just part of her character is that she's just not that into it. Um, And I could understand it from the perspective of someone who's maybe like had trauma in their life and they're like, I'm not interested in sex because I've had a bad thing happen to me. So I don't want to do that. And that makes sense. Um, but I, yeah, well, well, don't, I don't, don't make me seem heartless. I'm not talking about like rape victims. I'm talking about, I'm talking about comedians who talk about their wives. Never, they have to trick their wives into having sex. And I think I was going to say more to that. (laughs) (laughs) However, I also totally agree with you because I think that there is this, like what you said, like this disparity or whatever, where people are like, oh, women hate sex. And it's like, okay, if you're like dating a woman or you're married to a woman and she doesn't want to have sex with you, it's probably because of you and not because of her. Like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you're not making her feel good or you're like a piece of shit or I don't know, whatever else. It also seems like those men that complain about this stuff are like the men who are like, 
I have to babysit my kids. Like, you are not babysitting <laughs> your kids, you fucking idiot. <laughs> your fucking kids you are taking care of your own children like you know what i mean and then yeah. they're like they're like oh i have to babysit my kids and my wife doesn't want to have sex with me and i'm like gee i wonder why is it maybe because you're saying you have to babysit your own <laughs> children this isn't babysitting bro like put a goddamn dish in the fucking dishwasher man like do something you know like but I do think that Liz Lemon, like, it really baffled me that Liz Lemon, <sighs> that Tina Fey would write that into Liz Lemon's character because I think that it's so Victorian and very strange. It um, is. And, like, she dates a bunch of good-looking dudes, too, you know? Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I think there's an ulterior motive in that they want to convey that Liz just likes being in like in her pajamas and eating snacks, but you can do that in other ways because I think it perpetuates this myth to young men, especially that women hate sex and that, well, a woman will always pretend to have a headache so she doesn't have to have sex with you and yeah. stuff like that. And I, that's totally inaccurate. And I, I think it's, it's, um, it's, derogatory toward i feel like it's derogatory toward sex toward my sex which is female being a female i think it's offensive because it it makes us seem like we're withholding when yeah. really like i said and i'm not i'm i'm very sensitive to the fact that there are women who have psychological issues but in my personal life friends who i've had intimate conversations with about sex who have not had these issues I've never met a friend who's like, ugh, I hate having sex. I, I can't stand it when my husband or my boyfriend wants to have sex with me or my partner, you know, wants to have sex right. with me. I've never met a woman like that. I'm, yeah. I'm sure they exist, but I'm just, I can only talk from my personal experience. And that, that's why I hate that trope so much. Well, and it's, it becomes a trope too of like women feeling or like, portraying women as feeling obligated to have sex rather than like like yeah like yeah i'm into this let's do it like I would i'm love up for it yeah. yeah yeah like like i want to see like some fucking enthusiasm here i want them to be like oh <laughs> that's so funny that you want to have sex because i just happen to only be wearing a towel oops it dropped my bad <laughs> you know like well, and then there's like characters like i've never watched sex in the city but i do know a lot of like the mythology around it like samantha like you're talking about who's very like liberal with mm -hmm. her sexual experiences and i feel like the media portrays her in also sometimes a negative light because she's yes. so liberal so i think it's like it's like just put us right down the middle like you do for men like we're sexual beings we're humans we want to have sex we like sex that's it that's the end of it you know yeah yeah so. but yeah no i i agree with you i think that's a good that's a good trope i like it you did what's your next one you did good kid i love when <laughs> you used to say that to me all the time you're like you did good kid and every time you'd say it i'd be like oh thank you really? <laughs> i loved it yes i loved it whenever you say you did good kid i'd be like oh okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad i'm glad it encouraged you <laughs> So my trope, other <laughs> next trope is making a friend go on a date with someone they don't like. Like, okay, so like if you made like me go on a date with someone that I didn't like because you wanted something from the person that I was going on a date with. Like, oh, not that you that's do that. good. That's but I hate yeah. that trope because no, it's, it's bad. Like, 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it's bad, but also it's like you're potentially putting your friend into like maybe a dangerous situation, you know? And like, it's so manipulative. Of, yeah, it's so manipulative, especially if the person that is going on a date is like, listen, I don't like this guy. I don't even want to be in the same room with him. He annoys me. But now I feel obligated to go on a date because you want to get hired by him for some project. And it's like, I'm not going to continue you know, fake dating this guy for as long as you're doing this project just to get you a job. Like that's like, I'm, I'm sorry that you're broke and that you need money right now, but like, I'm not going to sacrifice, you know, myself for you get like, you need to go somewhere else and find a different job. You know, any sort of, any sort of manipulative relationship trope like that is terrible. Like even the main character, like the movie, how to lose a guy in 10 days. Yeah. Like, any sort of situation where you are taking a human life and lying to them on such a personal level should never be celebrated in a movie because it always like comes around where like like you said like the person gets the job or like the two characters fall in love but your relationship is built on this like very horrible lie like sociopathic lie like yeah. this person's a, a real person. Well, I, I mean, in the movie land, they're a real person. Like you, people aren't, I heard a pastor say once, and this has always stuck with me. He's like, people aren't here so you can just do things to them. Yeah. And I think that that's so wise and movies that have people just doing things to people and then it all working out. I, I don't know if that's a good thing to do <laughs> to well, like it, but not even it, sometimes it doesn't even work out it's just that they're manipulating their friend into spending time with someone that they don't want to spend time with just to like serve their own needs do you have and, an example of of that scenario yeah i do actually so i've been watching will and grace and um grace wanted to work with this guy who was like like I can't remember the character's name, but he was only on the like only on this season for like one episode, but he was just like one of those people where Okay, you know what? I'm going to, I'll tell you the rest of the story and then I'll explain what kind of guy he is. So she, so he was like, oh, your friend Will's really good looking and I'd love to go on a date with him. And Grace is like, okay, yeah, no, he's totally into you too. And so she's like, Will, will you please go on a date with the guy? And Will's like, no, that guy's an asshole. I'm not going to go on a date with him. And she's like, well, I already said you would. So, and then he ends up going on a date with this guy and he's just like sitting there and they're like having like drinks or something and and will's kind of like so what do you like to do for work and the guy's just like no don't do that don't do that right now and he's like what do you mean i'm just asking you a question he's like don't don't talk about small talk or something like it's just like oh it was just that's like awful weird, like yeah like just a really like like okay it, it almost makes you go like okay let's take a step back here and why don't i ask you the question what do you want me to be like you know like how would you like me to act around you? Do you want me to just be the silent demure type? Because guess what? I'm not like, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, he was like the type of person who basically wanted like the perfect mold of what he thought was like his ideal partner. And it's like, you can't what what was that you can't just do things to people what is it that you said the pastor yeah like said? people aren't people aren't here for you to just do things to them yeah, yeah exactly and so he was just this total like arrogant obnoxious twat waffle and like and, and 
I was like, Mm-mm. and I've seen that so many times and so many different things. And it's, it's like it's bad. that trope needs to bad. die. Yeah. That trope yeah. needs to die for sure. Yeah. Any sort of relationship or potential relationship built on that kind of lie is, is, is annoying. Um, well, and especially when the person goes, Hey, I don't like this person. I yeah. don't spend time with them. And you're still yeah. like, oh, shit. like, and that, that's the problem is that it's like, what if this like what if it's someone is like okay this person's really creeping me out and like their friend goes okay well I need you to go on a date with him I'd be like no no I just told you that they creep me out why would I want to put myself in a situation where I could potentially get hurt from them you know like I don't know them and um yeah (laughs) just that's a good one yeah thanks yeah. Do you have another one? I do. I have two more. One I like and one I don't like. So I'm going to do the one I don't like first so I can end on a positive note. Um, okay. So this is one I don't like. It's okay. characters who never speak or barely speak and then say something extremely profound when the movie needs a climax. <laughs> and what I'm yes. thinking of is I have two... Um, one example I'm thinking of is Mike and I recently watched Guardians of the Galaxy because we're going through, we're rewatching all the Marvel movies in order, like release order. And we watched Guardians of the Galaxy and the Groot character throughout the whole movie is like, I am Groot. And at the end, when he rescues them, he says, we are Groot. And I hate that. That's weird. Why would it's, he suddenly be able to say that? It's supposed to be inspirational in some form, but it's, it's, I hate the trope. I hate the trope. I don't mind if there is a quiet character who says something sort of insightful, but within the realm of what that character might say, like maybe for the whole movie, they really haven't talked a lot. And then they just sort of help a person. But I hate the like dropping bombs of wisdom, like, oh, this person was so insightful the whole time, but you thought they were an idiot, you know? Well, it's like, it's like a good way to tuck in something inspirational without actually doing the work of like building this person up to be an inspirational person. Like, yeah. Just, and you're yeah. banking it. You're banking mm-hmm. on like an emotional reaction from the audience to be like, right. Oh my gosh, he spoke. And not only did he speak, but come on. So it's like, it's, you're, you're, you have to be certain that you're getting, you're, you're looking for an emotional reaction. Right. Right. Which will, hopefully overshadow just the the blatant lack of subtlety in what the character said yeah i mean it's one thing if they're a pretty quiet character but they say insightful things throughout the entire movie and then the last thing they say is like very insightful and that's one thing but yeah to have them be like totally quiet and then be like oh and then this thing and you're like oh my god you're right the dawn is or the night is always darkest before the dawn <laughs> yeah yeah so i i don't like that it if you're gonna do that it has to be in line with the character it can't be like this sudden swerve where the character has developed 85 percent in two minutes yeah 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 i totally agree with that that reminds me of um i was thinking of pitch perfect where there's that one really quiet girl but then she says stuff that like shocks you and I think that is hilarious I love that where she's like I set fires to feel things or whatever she well, that's, says like that's different no that yeah because her her gimmick is just that she talks really quiet not that she I, like never talks and then says something so everything she says is presumably like 
mind blowing like that. Right. You just don't hear it. So I don't mind that either. Like that's fine. Right. Yeah. 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 It's good. That's a good one. That's a good one. Um, okay. I don't, I have two more, but I think I'm only going to do one. Um, because I'm not sure if I like this other one. Okay. So a character, usually male is taken out of prison to help with some high risk or important thing that might change the world. Now, let me preface or not preface this because I already said it. Whatever. What's the other one? Post fist. <laughs> let me explain. I think let me work. explain. That works. Um, <clears throat> I was watching that show Debris that has the hot, scary assassin from Charlie's Angels in it. And he has a name. It's Jonathan Tucker. But anyway, um, I keep calling him the hot, scary assassin because that's just kind of what he looks like. Um, the HSA. <laughs> the, what, what is it? A HSA. Hot, HSA. <laughs> um, so he was like, there's like some line that the the female like lead character says, and she says some reason to help this. And I was just like, there's no other person in the world that's like not in, been in prison for some terrible reason that can't help you with this. And the I, and that's actually not the example that I'm going to give. The example that I'm going to give, and I think this is a much better one is in Lara Croft, Cradle of Life. The character Terry Sheridan uh, was played by Gerard Butler. And Terry was in prison because he was a bad guy. And they were like, oh, we need this guy to help us, like, guide us through, like, it was, like, Mongolia or something like that. It's like, like, they couldn't have used, like, a Mongolian person or whatever. Anyway, I can't remember the reason. I haven't seen that movie in many years, even though I love it. But they let him out of prison and he like tries to kill Lara Croft at the end and tries to run away with this thing that has like, Oh, it's, it's a Pandora's box. That's right. Tries to run away with the Pandora's box, which holds all this power. And it's like, that's what you get for letting a guy out of prison that should have stayed in there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, like, and she ends up, um, she ends up, like I think killing him and like leave and getting the box because she's Lara Croft so of course but I I didn't like that because first of all I really liked the character of Terry until he fucking hit her and then I was like not cool dude like what's wrong with you but um it's just it's just like (laughs) there's a reason that this person is in prison to begin with and you're just gonna be like you know, you know, listen, so I know this person is a serial killer, but just, just hear what I got to say. We're just going to let them out for a short time. And if they do well, we're just going to give them a house in Zurich and some money. Cause that's what they said they were going to do for him. Anyway, that's my, that's my trope. I actually, I think I disagree. I think I kind of like that trope. I really yeah. like experts need, needing, I really like needing an expert and like the dread of like the only expert we have is this incarcerated bad guy i don't know i i kind of like that i think it's kind of neat like oh like in catch me if you can like i that movie's not my favorite movie but i do like that he was such a good forger they the, the fbi needed his help you know like oh you do make a good point <laughs> so I, I actually kind of like that trope um I do think it's unwise to like, you know, put them in a position where they can hurt somebody. Like, obviously, he's still a, a convicted felon or whatever. But 
but I actually kind of like like we need to needle down on somebody who can actually help and you know if if this prisoner scratches our back we'll scratch his I can understand why you might not like it but I think I do like it yeah I can I can appreciate I can appreciate that I think I think I maybe didn't like it just because it felt kind of out of place in debris, you know, like it was like suddenly like, oh yeah, and he was in prison and I was like, of course he was in prison, you know, <laughs> where, but I did, I mean, I, I'm kind of changing my mind now because now you did well, make a good point. No, I mean, you make a good point. Oh. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that you're, you know, I mean, it's, it means I'm growing, I'm changing, I'm becoming, <laughs> you know, I mean. You're um, listening to it live. She's <laughs> growing and changing. I'm Not live because. Changing. Not live. No. But. Um, no, I, but I did really like Lara Croft, um, Cradle of Life, and they had like an alternate ending where he actually got killed and I liked that ending more but um yeah no it's i don't know <laughs> anyway that's it what's your yeah. next one my next one is one that i really like okay and it's just like the shopping spree montage where there's all kinds of bags from expensive stores and the person yes. is just like spending money wildly and they like walk out of stores and like the the doormen are like giving them hat boxes and stuff like who who buys that many hats? I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> I also love the very tropey, um, like trying on the different outfits and people are like, no, that one doesn't work. Yes. And then they're like, and they like trying a different one and it's like just as ridiculous or even more ridiculous. And they're like, definitely not. Yeah. And then they like come out and like the last one and it's like gorgeous. And they're like, oh my God, you look beautiful. There's they actually make you fun know, of that trope and um and I'm gonna interrupt you, but they make fun of that trope in in Broad City where <clears throat> uh one of the characters is trying in a bunch of different outfits in front of her roommate. She's going on a date, or not in front of him, but like and he's like, no, that one doesn't work, this one doesn't work. And then she like tries on the last one and he's like, Oh my god, it's perfect. And she goes, I don't know why I just didn't put this one on first. <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I love the montage of like seeing a credit card get handed over and then seeing the person leaving with all these bags and then they come back to their like delightful hotel room. I don't know. They're in, on some like adventure and they just have all these bags. They're like, where did all the money come from? <laughs> no, like I love it. I did think of one other trope that I do like. Oh, yeah. And I love when people switch places. <laughs> oh, like a prince and pauper situation? Yes, yeah. yeah. I was actually watching the, like, 1967, like, Disney prince and pauper movie the other day on Disney Plus because I was, like, and I didn't finish it, but it was literally, like, one of those things where I'm, like, oh, I like that story, and I, like, turned it on, and, um, and it was kind of cute, but, like, it was mostly background noise. But it's, like, one of those things where they keep making them. Like, they made, like, the princess switch, which was with Vanessa Hudgens. And oh, I yeah. was like, this is so cheesy, and I fucking love it. <laughs> yeah, I, um, do you remember when we went and watched the Muppet movie, <laughs> the newer Muppet movie with yeah. Rachel and Esther? And there's, like, a a doppelganger of Kermit and he has like a mole <laughs> on his face and I always think of this because Rachel goes oh I hate evil doppelgangers like she was legitimately stressed out 
about the doppelganger situation. Like it was ruining the movie experience for her. I remember that. That was so funny. She was like in anguish. She's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that was a really fun time. It was oh, fun. Oh man. I miss yeah. that. I miss it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, those are my tropes. Ooh. Yeah, those are good. Those are good. So you want to talk about the movie? Let's do it. Let's talk All about right. it. What did you think of the movie? Well, I can't believe that you made me watch a movie that made me cry as hard as I did. <laughs> it made you cry? <laughs> yes. Um, I loved it. You did? I loved it. I... I had no expectations going in. I knew it was about college students because of what it's called. Um, but yeah, I, it was like, it had a lot of like, um, like dead poet society vibes and I really like dead poet society. And it, it was, I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was very, it was sweet and it was funny and it was dramatic and it made me cry. And yeah. Yeah. So how do I you wasn't- feel? I wasn't sure. I texted Mike and, and I said, I don't know if Lauren's going to like this movie or not. Yeah, I liked it a lot. So I have an interesting history with this movie. Um, it came out in 1994, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much the year I saw it. So kudos to my mom, who when I was a kid, if I said I wanted to see a movie, almost 100% of the time, she would just take me to see it or rent it for me. And I saw, I remember seeing the ads to this movie and I wanted to see it. And I was 10 years old. Well, and wait, there was can, a- I, can I say something really quick that's relevant to your, to your mom doing that? I always love the stories that you tell about your mom being like so supportive of your love for movies. It makes me feel so happy. It's just like, I love how she's like, oh, you want to see a movie? Yes. Let's see that movie immediately. And it's just like, just so like... <laughs> supportive of your love for movies it's adorable it makes me so happy it makes me happy too she made me what i am yeah, yeah. no thanks yeah i know i used to like if her and my dad were gonna go out for an evening she'd be like what do you want me to rent you from the video store and i'd give her a list of like three movies and she'd go rent them for me and then i'd be able to watch it. i don't know yeah or yeah she'd take me to the theater yeah i don't know it was she's a good mom yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh so when I was 10 years old, I remember there's novel, like there's novelty in watching something that's a lot of it is going over your head, mm-hmm. but some of it isn't like, obviously I understood the main themes, but there was a lot of things that went over my head at that time. And I haven't, I hadn't seen it since like, this is the first time I've seen it since I was 10 years old. So, oh, wow. So it's been a long time. Yeah. So a lot of it was like watching a new movie almost, but there were some parts that like, uh, so I remember the line when, when Brendan Fraser's character, I can't remember his name. I'm looking Monty. it up. When Monty, uh, took Courtney, the Moira Kelly's character, a razor when she's in the shower mm-hmm. and he walked out. I remember this line when I was 10 because he said, I've never wanted, cause she's shaving her legs. And he said, I've never wanted to be a razor so bad in my life. And when I was 10 years old, that line seemed like. Like, I can't say it seemed sexy because I, I was like pre-pubescent, so I didn't really know what sexy was. But I remember thinking like, oh, wow, he really likes her. And that's such a like romantic thing to say. And now as an adult, when I hear it, I'm like, 
why don't you just be her boyfriend? Wouldn't that be better than being a razor? Like, just ask her out. Like, that's such a, I didn't like that line now. Cause I was, it's a weird thing to say. Like, I've always wanted to shave a woman's legs. Like, what, what is that line? But I have a very clear memory of that line sticking with me as a young child. Yeah, I thought it was cringy. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so that was interesting. And there's other things like, uh, there's a lot of uh, sex talk in this movie that I know I didn't understand when I was 10. And so that's, inter- it was interesting watching it. That being said, um, I think that Joe Pesci's character, Simon, he plays a homeless man. Mm-hmm. He talked in platitudes a little bit too much. I still liked his character, but I thought that he, I wish that they would have toned some of that down for me. Um, like, how do you, how do you mean by that? Like he was waxing philosophical too much or something? Yeah. Like they were talking, he's like, oh man, there's nothing like a woman. Or he said, oh boy. He always says, oh boy. Oh boy. There's nothing like a woman, 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 this. And then he's like, I don't know. He just talked a lot about like, he gave a lot of life advice for somebody who was homeless. Yeah. But I do like the movie in regards to the fact that it's like, I like that it's a Harvard guy, Monty, played by Brendan Fraser, who's basically being humbled into realizing that there's more to life than going to Harvard. Like, Simon is a human being, and even though he's homeless, there's more to him than meets the eye, and I, I like that, you know, like, that's an interesting message and an interesting movie topic yeah 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 um i think that this movie has a little bit of that trope where it's like the young you know um kind of naive guy who's like running into the older guy who the older guy is like all this life experience and the young naive guy is like no you don't know what you're talking about and the older guy's like dude yes i do <laughs> and then you know he ends up you know, uh, the younger guy has this like kind of revelation of like, I've been wasting all my time worrying about things that aren't really important in the long run. And um, I like that too. And I actually, I really like that trope. Actually, I think it's a very sweet trope because it's like, I think that everyone at some point in their life has maybe had a moment or two where they're like, why am I worrying about this shit? It's not important. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you kind of like have that realization where you're like, I'm spending so much time and emotional energy on this. And it's at the end of the day, like, is it worth all the stress that I'm feeling right now? You know, is it worth like, is, is someone even going to recognize all the time and effort that I put into this? Or is it just going to be the type of thing where I walk away from it and no one ever talks about it again, or I never think about it again. And it's like, and yeah, I, I liked the movie. Um, I liked I liked Everett a lot. <laughs> was that Patrick Dempsey? Yeah, he was yes. kind of like a little shit, but like this, like he reminded me of, um, I can't think of like any specific characters and I was trying to rack my brain last night, like trying to think of like a specific character that he reminded me of. Actually, did you ever see Van Wilder? Yes. He kind of had like a Van Wilder vibe about him where he was like very much like, um, just kind of like this carefree dude, but I loved how he was so, he was just like over the top, you know? <laughs> yeah. I liked that I as well. I thought he was funny. <laughs> yeah. I like, he kind of is like, 
he's a polar opposite of Monty's character in that they're both going to Harvard, but they're both having very different Harvard experiences. Big time. Yeah. And Everett is cool because he's not a prick like uh, Jeff, the other housemate. (laughs) And uh, and he has like this radio show. And I, I like that. And I like that he's sort of an opportunist at the same time where... Maybe he's, I mean, you don't really see him have an opinion about Simon, but after a while he has Simon on the radio show, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I I like that as well. And he's just, this movie is so 90s. I mean, it was made in 1994, so it's like smack dab in the middle of the decade, but there's so much 90s in this movie between like the interactions between the people, the interactions between the men and the women, how they treat Courtney. But I like that Courtney... Like, there's some, like, 90s chauvinist humor in it, but I like that Courtney holds her own and gives it back. Me too. Like, they tease Courtney, like, Monty will tease Courtney, like, in the beginning, he said, like, face it, you're just not a leader of men or something like that. But then she's out, like, you know, she's carefree. She's, She's, you know, sleeping around and living her life, and she gives it back to them, like, you know, she's sassy. She doesn't let them walk all over her. So I, but it just feels so nineties to me. It's very, it's, you could, you, I mean, maybe you could show it to somebody who wasn't alive in the nineties and they wouldn't know it. But I mean, you can't, you can't watch this movie and think it was made any other time. Oh no, for sure. The no. clothing, <laughs> like, I know that Simon was the homeless person, but they all like the, Courtney and Everett kind of dress like homeless people. Like they have like very baggy clothing. And yes. You know. yes. I liked, I, I want to say more about Everett. I like that he was like the romantic who was like, I'm deeply in love with Helga. And then like the next week you're like, what happened to Helga? And he's like, I got bored. Of her. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like this whole, I love like, like, but then, you know, you meet Helga and she's kind of just like this character that you like even though you only know her for like 20 seconds you're almost kind of like immediately like you don't like her you know like she's yeah just kind of like bratty and stuff so when he's like oh I broke up with Helga you're like mm, whatever <laughs> you know and I don't know I, I thought he was I thought he was kind of like the um comedic relief for the, mm-hmm. the movie you know yeah um and I'm not I wouldn't consider myself a big Patrick Dempsey fan I me really, neither. Yeah, I there's something about him that kind of annoys me, but um I have like the there's like two I think what was the other one that I saw that I really liked him in? Oh, he was in the third Transformers, the one that Megan Fox was not in and that's why I didn't see it because I loved Megan Fox and he was the bad guy and I loved him as the bad guy. I thought he did a great job, but um you know, I mean, I've seen like plenty of Grey's Anatomy and I'm just like, eh, like people are like, oh, he's McDreamy. And I'm like, he's cute. But like, I mean, (laughs) yeah, I'm not like a huge fan of him either. And I think in this movie, I forgot it was him most of the time (laughs) because he's so young yeah, so carefree and so different than other characters I've seen him play. I've never seen Grey's Anatomy, but I've seen him in like like dime a dozen romantic i think he was in a romantic comedy in like the early aughts that i saw he was in um one called maid of honor yeah i only watched part of it but it was 
with Michelle really Monaghan, maybe? Bad. <laughs> yeah. It was really bad. First of all, there was a scene where um, Busy Phillips' character, like, tries to have sex with him, and, and he's saying no to her, and it was like, like, they were playing off this scene where it was, like, borderline rapey as, like, a joke, and I was like, this is not, this is not funny at all. This is, like, really kind of disturbing, and also, like, just weird like i was like this isn't funny don't do this shit you know what i mean yeah also, that movie was just like super bad like she was like in love with her throughout the like whole movie and then at the end she's like getting married i think i told you about she's getting yeah married we've talked about yeah yeah <laughs> like, like i rise into the chapel in like a fucking horse that's a trope that needs to go away is um, people in relationships just dropping their partners for someone new and their partners just accepting it yeah like, or that- like Someone, happens like if a lot. you have feelings for someone and they're getting married, you should tell them before their like before their wedding day, and don't interrupt their wedding to tell them like, oh, by the way, yeah, I know this is really inconvenient for you, but um, I'm in love with you. I'd be like, okay, I'm getting married. Can you sit down now? Yeah, <laughs> like, better yet, you know? if someone is engaged, if you're in love with someone and they're engaged, don't you don't tell them that you're in love well, with them. Or you do tell them, but you just don't tell them on your wedding day. And anyway, so um, yes, he was really good in With Honors. Really, really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. He was really good. Um, so let's talk about Jeff because we kind of talked about him before. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so then actor Josh Hamilton, um, I want to like start telling this, this story from like the beginning so it makes sense with, you know. Um, so Sam had texted me and she's like, I just, I watched Dark Skies with, with, uh, with Mike and, um, and she's like, have you, I think we were talking about it a little bit and I was like, oh yeah, I saw that. And then I like was saying I was like the dad in it I thought was creepy but it wasn't his character I thought that the actor who's Josh Hamilton was creepy and I'd seen him in I think it was American Horror Story I think it was Coven where he was um one of the women's uh husbands and I thought that he was like just creepy in that too but it wasn't his character it was the actor and so <clears throat> when you came and you dropped the dvd off yesterday you were like oh yeah i just had to tell you this that that josh hamilton actor plays kind of a creep in this and i or not a creep but like a jerk he's I he's he, like he's a prick yeah he's like Part of me gets where he's coming from that, that he doesn't want like a stranger in the house. But the other part of me is like, okay, it's, it's going to be like negative temperatures out there and you're going to let someone die because you don't like, <laughs> okay, actually, hold on. I wrote down That's this. Seen- oh, I wrote ahead. down this one thing that made me like actually laugh out loud, but it was when, um, when Jeff was like, but my mom might come someday and Everett puts his arm around him and he goes, and he says to Monty, he goes, don't you think you should have been a little bit more considerate and ask Jeff's mom first? <laughs> I love that. That line that made me so funny. That line made me laugh out loud as well. Yeah. When, <laughs> when they're like Simon, when he, uh, Monty's trying to get them to let Simon stay with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I thought that was really good. And the scene where, so Monty comes home, the next scene that you mentioned, Monty comes home and he's like, hey, do you guys mind if Simon sleeps inside? Because he gave him like, their old roommate, their like fifth roommate 
had some sort of breakdown before the movie and dropped out of college and just left. So his van was still there. So they were letting Simon, this homeless man, sleep in the van. Which it was like a furnished van. Yeah. And it was like winter in Boston. So for anybody who hasn't seen the movie, Simon, played by Joe Pesci, is a homeless man who is living in the basement of the Harvard Library. Mm -hmm. Um, Brendan Fraser, who plays Monty, is writing his senior thesis on government. And his computer gets fried, so he, he only has one copy of his thesis. So he goes to the library to make copies and through some like... Well, wait, can I say one more thing? The um, program that they, or the, the way that the computer u- looked, looked like, looked like one of the programs that I use at work. Yeah, no, it did. It, it definitely did. It's like a DOS, like old school program. Yeah, it's, yeah. I was just like, this oh movie, my God. This movie, was made, this movie was made in a time when like computers were still like really uh, like, anything could happen with a computer and he's it is computer gets fried in such a weird stupid way and the fact that he doesn't like people will just accept the fact that he doesn't back it up or anything you know because it's right. 1994 so i thought that was kind of a time capsule kind of an interesting thing but so monty goes to the library but through like this slapstick situation he trips and falls in his thesis which is in like a big file falls through a grate and lands in the boiler room of the library like it just happens to fit perfectly through the grate (laughs) and that's one of the things like i thought his meet cute with simon could have been done a little bit better i agree Um, with that wholeheartedly so they contrive a way him and courtney his female roommate played by moira kelly contrive a way to sneak into the library she like distracts the security guard and he goes to the boiler room and I'm like, how does anybody even know where boiler rooms are in these yeah. libraries? And he finds Simon down there and Simon is burning his thesis to like keep warm. And then like a scuffle ensues and then him and Simon work out a deal where Simon's like, I'll give you one page of my thesis of your thesis if you give me one thing and I want new underwear and I want a donut. And then Mont- Monty calls the cops on him instead and he has hidden the thesis and so now simon is like a part of monty's life because he their agreement still stands where he's like i'll give you a page if you help me so anyway so he gives him the van and it's very cold did you did you agree with monty calling the police on simon yeah i did i think i did too because i what else can you do like you're gonna let this homeless man call the shots like so, yeah, and it was like 88 pages or yeah. 83 after he burned five of them. I think I think that the way they met was a little bit too contrived for me, but that didn't ruin the rest of the movie. I just think like if I could do like a page six rewrite, I would maybe have had Monty leave. Like, let's say Monty was working on his thesis at the library and he accidentally left it there because he had to leave really fast and then simon found it you know something like that but yeah the fact that he was like living in the basement and then i and then so yeah i thought i would i would have called the cops as well i wouldn't have bargained with them i would have been like this is insane this is my work i'm paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to be here and you're just burning my work and you know well and the fact that it like perfectly fell through the slat like yeah that was just Mm -hmm. too too easy too contrived for me yeah that was like i actually wrote that down because i was like really i was like that's i'm like okay first of all 
come on. <laughs> like that's just, that's, that's too convenient. It's like hitting someone, like, it's like the trope of like hitting someone with your car, like not in a hard way or anything, but like, you know, it, like gently tapping them and then being like, oh my God, you're the love of my life. Like, this is a terrible way to meet someone. You just hit them with your car, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I, yeah, I agree with you. Like, and, and I, I liked that they met, but I didn't really like how they met, but. Right. So anyway, so Monty is sleeping in the van and, or sorry, Simon is sleeping in the van and Monty comes home one night and it's like November, December time. It's winter in Boston. And he says to his roommates, hey guys, it's supposed to be below zero tonight. Do you mind if Simon sleeps inside? And Jeff, the prickish roommate, like flips out. <laughs> and Monty's like, he could die. Yeah. And that's the end of it. Like Jeff is like, I'm not, I'm sick of paying rent or I'm not going to pay rent for this other guy. I'm not going to pay my part of the rent if somebody else is coming in who's not even paying. And it's like, he spent at this point of the movie, Monty has spent a lot of time with Simon. So you can trust that Simon is, is an okay guy. Like he's not a creepy murdering homeless man, you know, like right. Simon and Monty have formed some sort of bond Maybe not quite a friendship, but kind of a friendship at this point. And the other two were okay with it. But then I was really, I was really perplexed that Monty didn't double down because it's not, it's, he literally could die Yeah, yeah. because it was going to be so cold. And so instead he goes out but and even if you have shelter, you can still die of like, you, you can still freeze to death. Right. And he was, and like, he was yeah. like coughing. So he was kind of sick. And Monty just brought him some food and said, well, you, you can't sleep inside tonight because in, in, in the set, like, it was really sad because Simon was like, listen, I'll trade you five pages if I could just sleep in your basement. Yeah. And Monty was like, well, the basement's flooded and Jeff's parents might come, so you can't, you can't come in. And I thought that was uncharacteristic of him because it's not, like, at that point, you shouldn't care what Jeff says. Like, you should be like, okay, he could die. And right now, he's sleeping in our van. So he's kind of my problem because yeah. it's not that he's like just a homeless guy on the street. Like he's a homeless a man who I've bonded of. with and I've given him partial shelter. So I thought that was really weird. Like he should have doubled down. And I thought that that was weird too. And, and Jeff was so like, I mean, it's, it's like, even if you don't like this guy and you don't know him and I could understand maybe his hesitation, but it's, you know, Simon's still a person. So you're, you're like, can you live with the fact that you may have, um, you know, uh, like contributed, yeah, to contributed to this guy fucking freezing to death? Like, can yeah. you, and Jeff seems so like uptight about his mom visiting that, like, it made me wonder what kind of like weird attachment was going on there, you know? He just, well, he, he seemed like the type that, like, didn't have a lot of friends never had a girlfriend you know like it was very like he was he gave off like these weird I don't know I mean well and it was creepy I don't because know how to describe it like selfish vibes or something like yeah no I think that's a good way of saying it and like yeah. earlier in the movie when Courtney was like I need to shave my legs he was like super offended that she yeah, talked about shaving like, her oh, legs. legs. You showing us your legs, Courtney? And she's like, like I'm one of the guys, whatever. Gross. Like, 
gross yeah yeah and, uh, yeah. and like um he's like the type of guy that gets like offended if like a girl like your female roommate like farts around you it's like you know what she's a person she's gonna do it sometimes a fart slips out it happens you know what it's happened to all of us it's happened to the best of us just one of those things <laughs> like he's like oh my god girl girls poop are you are you telling me that girls poop are you are you saying that are you saying that to me <laughs> i don't think his i don't think his concern was unfounded at the beginning because here's a homeless man who's blackmailing monty like yeah. that would make me hesitate as well but by the time the movie got to the point where it was going to be below zero like that he should have been more at ease with the situation since he trusts monty and monty is friends with simon friends at this point a little bit you know they've bonded in some way so he the fact he didn't lighten up at all um ceases to be like oh i get your concern at that point yeah and i also think like it, he's kind of creepy in the way because he he was pre-med and simon's like what kind of doctor are you going to be and he's like a gynecologist and i thought that was kind of creepy like that seems thought- like a weird profession for somebody like him who <laughs> didn't even want to hear about a woman shaving her legs would go into but that also seemed to me like like somebody who had maybe never seen a vagina in real life and was just trying to find a way to do it like to see one you know well, and simon even says something like well that's the closest you're ever going to get to a woman's vagina <laughs> yeah <laughs> like so it's i mean i think so too like it's it's it, you're right it seems very weird for um for him to be like so uptight about her showing off her hairy legs which is like a totally normal thing it's a totally natural normal thing to have hairy legs and and then is like oh yeah but i want to like look at women's vaginas like it's just like why (laughs) you know (laughs) maybe he was like a 90s version of an incel or something i don't know i think that you're not wrong about that i think that he's probably like if it was now he'd probably be all up on reddit telling women that he's in love with his anime body pillow so it's like you know (laughs) (laughs) and so yeah and but when i was watching the movie i started laughing like initially like the first scene you meet him in he's like well wait i have I have a question for you real quick. Have you seen the James Franco episode of 30 Rock? I don't think so. Not yet. So weirdly enough, even though I don't like James Franco, that is hands down my most favorite episode. It's so fucking funny. It's like he, James Franco is, he plays himself and he is a body pillow that he like has a name and everything. And I think like Shimiko or something like that. (laughs) So he's like, he's trying to get Liz Lemon to be or no not Liz Lemon Jenna to be like his fake girlfriend to like take off suspicions of the fact that he's like in love with his body pillow his Japanese body pillow and um and at one point he's like he's like oh yeah you know you paparazzi or paparazzo is actually the singular term for paparazzi and he goes Kamiko taught me that (laughs) Kamiko (laughs) that's the name of his body pillow And, and then there's like this scene at the end where He's at a club with the body pillow and Liz is there too. And um and her like cousin had came into town who like just came out of the closet. And so they're like all partying together. And he's at this club and she she's like dancing with him a little bit. And she's like, 
let's get weird and then you see him later the next morning coming out of her apartment or her bedroom like with his body pillow and her walking out of there too and and she says to her cousin she's like um hey so and so this is James Franco and this is his body pillow Kamiko and it's and the, and the cousin goes I have to go home <laughs> like, it's a really funny it just reminded me of that so I I like it's, it's hands down my most favorite episode it's just so weird and hilarious so anyway back to what you were saying um I'm I'm not sure what I was you? saying but I distracted you no it's okay I think I was done but yeah so I know I remember now I started laughing because it like almost as soon as he comes on screen he's an unlikable character and I was like yeah. how did Lauren know <laughs> that this guy was going to be unlikable in this movie because prior like a couple days before we watched it you were like oh my gosh you remember the dad from dark skies that we didn't like <laughs> he's in with honors and i was like oh wow and then yeah right yeah, i was like bat, i was like he plays such a jerk and then you were like he's a jerk how yeah yeah i just you know what i know i knew about army hammer i was like that's my claim to claim to fame you I knew was like, all the things he did no <laughs> I was like, there's something weird about Army Hammer. I don't like him. I couldn't figure out why. And then all that shit came out. And I was like, and I was right the whole time. <laughs> right? Yep. That's exactly how it happened. Because that's exactly how I remember it. And memory is always right. You're like Karen and Mean Girls. Who's like, my boobs know when it's raining. They can tell the weather. <laughs> well, like... 30% chance only if it's outside and it's actually raining yeah <laughs> whatever she says I don't remember what she says but yeah <laughs> there's a 30% chance of rain yep <laughs> but then you have your first cousins and your second cousins <laughs> I, I'm a mouse Oh. oh, Mean Girls. I love that movie. So I want to, let's talk about Monty. Okay. The main character. Oh, I do want to say one other thing. So seeing this movie when I was 10, I had a very skewed view of what college was going to be like. Now, granted, I did not go to an Ivy League school. You know, I went to state university. So like not even a state university. Like I think, I don't even know. I went to a big school but I didn't go to like Michigan State or U of M or anything it was way smaller than that but right um all that aside like the idea of a thesis to get out of college was in the back of my mind for a long time after seeing that movie oh, and no. I remember like at the time thinking like college seems so hard college seems like how could anyone go to college? I'm never going to college. And then when I got to be college age and I went to college and interestingly enough, after when Mr. Brooks, when Mike and I were watching Mr. Brooks, there's a line in Mr. Brooks where I just said Mr. Brooks like five times in the last 30 seconds, but there's a line in the movie where, what, what was that movie again? Well, it's Mr. Brooks. So the, the titular the titular character, Mr. Brooks, says to his wife, I know we wanted Jane to be here, but she has midterms. And Mike paused the movie and he was like, what are midterms? Midterms are like created for TV and movies. I've never, 
I don't remember ever having midterms and ever having to study for midterms or any of that. And I don't remember that either. Yeah. And we got to talking about that trope actually, but then we also got to talking about like real life uh-huh. and how, so, and it's interesting because with honors reminded me of all this stuff. Like I had this weird view of college for a little while after seeing that movie. Cause I was so little. And then once I got to college age and went to college all of the tropes about college in TV and movies are a lot of times like so blown out of proportion because yeah. college is just a continuing, like, it's not like I graduate 12th grade and then I start in like year seven of med school. Like it's right, right. grade 13 basically. So you're just going along with the knowledge that you've gained and you're just building on it just like the rest of school is. And so like college university was never like super overwhelming for me like I thought it would be you know I mean it was hard it's right right obviously there's difficulty in it but you know you're moving at the pace that you're learning but I remember like thinking like just college seems so hard and then like when I graduated without having to do this massive thesis I I thought like oh so is the thesis an Ivy League thing is the thesis because even Jeff who was in pre-med had to do a thesis and Monty who was a government major I guess they don't really say what his political I think political or something like that they say like he had to do one and so they made it seem like this thesis was like the end all be all and so maybe it's an Ivy League thing or maybe it's a movie thing but I remember thinking like oh so a thesis isn't a real thing like I don't have to I can do because I think Grand Valley, which is where I went to school, you could do a thesis type project or you could take this other class. Like you, there was like a choice, you know? Right. right. And so I just took the class. I didn't do any sort of final project. And so, anyway, all that's to say is college in real life was never like college in the movies in terms of like super rigorous academic but i mean i'm sure harvard is is more rigorous than the school i went to and if you choose a major like pre-med should be rigorous you know but yeah like, yeah yeah well anyway. I, yeah, I think it depends on what you i mean because i've written like i don't know if i would call them a thesis but i think that's what the like professor was, like calls them but um, I mean, the last one I wrote was five pages. So it wasn't like I wasn't spending, you know, my junior and senior year writing this dissertation. Yeah. And um, and I got it done in two hours. So it was, you know, it's a little different. I still don't know what I got on that, but I've sent it to like five different people and they all said that they liked my essays. So I'm, they liked it. You did a good job. Yeah. Actually, I remembered. Oh, go ahead. So, um, so just to like, let everyone know it's about, it's about the, the thesis was about uh, child abuse and how it affects, you know, children as they grow up and, and how like, it's really well done. Thank you. And how people that, um, like serial killers came from very severely abusive childhood homes and my mom, well, and it's, and then I talk about like Edmund Kemper and, and his, um, and his abuse and also how like he's like his personality traits have changed over time, whatever. Anyway, so it's, it's a pretty heavy subject, 
but um my mom calls me up and she goes it's always the mama's fault isn't it and I was like why do I feel guilty over this (laughs) (laughs) like she's like I'm just kidding but I was like first of all what first of all why would you take that from it (laughs) like I love you but this is not about you this is about women who are you know well women and men but it's mostly about women because it was more focused on the mother's uh relationship with their kids and uh and i (laughs) was just like why would you make this about you first of all secondly i'm a pretty like emotionally healthy adult i would say and like third i'm not a serial killer so why are you focusing on that like (laughs) but actually no one knows what i do in my meantime so i'm just saying I could be the next thumbprint killer, you know, before I became the thumbprint killer, I killed a lot of different people in a lot of different ways. I don't know why, but I've been walking around quoting that like all week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, your paper, you sent me, you sent me your paper and it was, it's really good. Thank you. I was proud of it. Yeah, you did a good job. it's a far cry for my tea. And as far as, you know, my own experience with college, um, I wouldn't say I was the best student when I first immediately got out of high school. And I think I probably needed some time to kind of like, kind of like see what the real world was actually like and then return to college. And I didn't take that time. So I didn't, I didn't really care about it. And I regret that as an adult. But as an adult, I'm also able to return to college. So I'm back in school now. And um, I'm getting my bachelor's degree. And it's, I mean, it it definitely comes with its frustrations and its um, complications and its it's stress, you know, I mean, stressfulness and everything. But I mean, again, I'm not in Harvard. I'm like at an online school, but it's not like definitely not anything like what they describe in in, honors, which is, and it's funny too, because you know, Monty's so stressed out about it, and then Jeff seems really stressed out about it, but Everett kind of seems like he's just flying by the seat of his pants, you know what I mean? Yeah, and Courtney doesn't seem like she has a thesis, so I don't know if she's not, but she does graduate because she's sitting next to him at the end, so yeah, maybe she did what I did, and she did, oh, I did an internship, that's what it is, I did my internship instead of doing a project, Yeah. so I, I interned at a radio station, which I don't know why everybody doesn't just do that, but <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, the, I don't, I don't even know what Courtney did. She never, they never really run it, went into like what she was majoring in or anything. Yeah. Or ever really. Canada. I mean, yeah, he oh, did it. He did the radio station, but I don't know what his, like, if his major was like broadcasting or if that's just something he fell into, but you know, if ever it was around nowadays, he'd be totally a podcaster. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kind of wish they had talked about that, but it, I didn't, I guess it wasn't like essential to the story that like what they were doing, but you're right. It's the, <laughs> I mean, movies have a tendency. Sam, I don't know if you knew this, <laughs> but I'm going to sarcastically in a little look, sarcastical <laughs> shit way, explain to you that <laughs> movies have a tendency to uh, over-exaggerate things. <laughs> so no, I don't think that's accurate. You don't, think so? <laughs> you don't think walking away from an explosion is like that just happens. I mean, I know no, I wouldn't on a stay. Basis, I mean, at least once a year, I'm walking away from. Would you stay in the explosion? I would. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. big time. 
luckily I have the ability to survive explosions because I'm actually a superhero. So it's like, well, I wish you would have told me that. That would be kind of an awesome power, but also like what other, like how else, like what other scenarios could you use that to your advantage? And also that's not what I want to do. I just want to teleport. That's all I want. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who doesn't want to teleport? I mean, that would be amazing. I think that'd be really cool. I always, the movie Jumper, even though it's like kind of a stupid movie, I always, yeah, you're shaking your head. I always loved, like, I didn't love the movie, but I loved the concept of what they were doing. I thought that that was really cool, but the movie was like. Okay, I will give you that. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, Hayden Christensen can barely act, and I even though they had a kid together in real life, I thought that him and Rachel Bilson had like no chemistry. Well, I think her character was just like terribly done in the movie. Cause all she did was shriek and say his name the whole time. And so it was just badly done, but yeah. I am. Um, they should have focused more on, on Jamie Bell's character. He was more interesting. Yeah. I think the movie just wasn't, I really like Jamie Bell's character in the movie. Cause I like how other jumpers found, him you know yeah yeah i thought he was anyway anyway this is so i wanted to talk about monty um Mm -hmm. okay back to monty who is the main character and i liked him i liked him because he was a really good example of somebody who was ripe for humbling and not humbling in like a negative way but like humbling in a growing up way yeah and how he was so focused and he knew exactly what he wanted and he knew how to get there. And the professor, like the guy, the big wig at Harvard liked his, his thesis so far. And he was like a a model pupil and he was ready. Like he was on a trajectory to be, to graduate like summa cum laude, I think, is that the term magna cum laude? I don't remember. I think it's summa cum laude. Summa cum laude. And, you know, he was ready to, to take the world by storm. And he was a little bit pompous, but not in an unlikable way. Pompous in the way that, like, a 23-year-old who's about to graduate from Harvard probably is, you know? Yeah. And, and it was, like, the perfect time in his life to meet Simon. Yeah, I totally agree. And I like that even though he's pompous he still grows to care about Simon. Like he brings him the blanket and Simon is like, well, well, here's a page for the blanket. And even though it's very early on and they haven't bonded at all, Monty's like, I didn't give you the blanket for a page of my thesis. I just gave you a blanket, you know? Right. Right. And so you see that there is like humanity there, like almost from the beginning of the movie, even though, he is kind of like bargaining with Simon and he's being nice to him to get his thesis back. He's also nice to him when he doesn't get anything in return, you know? Right. Well, he's, he's empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas Josh or not Josh, <laughs> Jeff is not his real name's Josh, but his character's name is Jeff. Yeah. So back to Monty, first of all, adorable 20 something Brendan Fraser. Yeah. How old was he in this movie? So let's see. Hold on. How old is Brendan Fraser? 52 years old. So it was in 94. What's bad? (laughs) 
thought you had it. Um, he was born in 1968, so he was 24, right? Okay, yeah. Is that right? Sure. Yes, yes, that's right. Wow. Okay. No, wait, that doesn't make sense. Hold on. He was 20. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, that's 26. He was 26. Oh my gosh. People are listening to this and they're like, he's 26. <laughs> oh, you guys didn't go to Harvard? I can't believe it. <laughs> I know. I've always said I'm not good at math. Yeah, um, no. I've never claimed to be good at math either. Um, yeah, so baby, baby Brendan Fraser, who I keep watching movies because I have joked about with my friends that he's my number one sex dream partner. Um, <laughs> for some reason, he's always the one that just shows up. Um, and I, I watched like George of the Jungle, then I watched this one recently, and I was like, if my brain wants Brendan Fraser to show up in my dream, I'm not going to complain. But no, instead I'm having these super weird, bizarre dreams where I wake up and I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, brain? We had an agreement. So <laughs> <sighs> oh, rude. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, rude. So Brendan Fraser. So is... he was, wait, so he was 30, <laughs> 31 in, in The Mummy? Yeah, I guess. 99. Yeah. No, wait, is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. All right. Okay. Yeah. Five years plus 26. Okay. So that's 31. That's good. You know, I figured it out. It took me a minute, but you know what? It's good. <sighs> Addition is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, I liked, what did you think of his relationship with Courtney? Like, how did you feel about the way that that Move, that played out throughout the movie okay um so i could tell that he liked her that definitely didn't come out of like left field or anything um it was pretty obvious from the longing glances and then like the initial introduction of their relationship where he's like running um in front of all those guys that she's like training or whatever and you know he's kind of teasing her i was like immediately like oh he likes her and then when they kept like doing that i was like okay but I didn't super like the way that they ended up getting together because she like had this fight, this like fight with this guy and she's going outside to cool down, you know, and then he just like walks outside and kisses her, which was kind of like, it was like hot and it's if in a different context, you know what I mean? Like I was like, okay, I dig it. But the fact that she just had a fight with her boyfriend and now he's like suddenly kissing her i was like whoa slow your roll do you even know if she likes you back you know and i thought that that was kind of weird but it also wasn't terrible so i didn't totally mind like i didn't hate it you know what i mean i didn't totally mind it but i was a little bit like i was a little iffy on it what do you think yeah, I felt I feel slightly different than you because I could tell very quickly that she liked him. Like she talked about being worried about him and because he was so obsessed with his thesis and then she went to the library with him and she didn't even have to and he seemed kind of like 
oblivious to her most of the time, except that they would then show those glances. Yeah. And he said that thing about wanting to be a razor and everything. But what I didn't fully understand and what I think could have been explored a little bit more is why they weren't together. Because I think what I'm supposed to understand is they probably were afraid of ruining ruining their friendship slash living situation because both of them liked each other, but neither of them wanted to go out on a limb and potentially ruin it. But they, that never, that never came up. It's just what I know being 36 years old, what I know about human relationships, you know, like I infer that because of just what I know and I wish that they would have explained it a little bit more or dug, dug into it a little bit more because he had a lot of like soliloquy with Simon about a lot of different things. And so mm-hmm. and the his relationship with Courtney didn't come up until the party. And that's when Simon. Right. Right. Like Simon gave him this like advice to like go for it. And but something right. that I think I understood differently than you um, was that. Throughout the movie, she's talking about how she's having sex with this guy who's like a really attractive man, but not a very good partner. The so face, isn't that what they call yeah, him? Yeah, she the calls face. him the face. And and like they break up, they get back together, they break up, they get back together. And at Christmas time, Monty is staying at school, but she's going home and he says, you're not going to bring your like the face. And she's like, no, I don't bring sex home with me. So implying that she really doesn't have feelings for him she's just sleeping with him right and then later in the movie when they're talking about that like going to that pajama party like that campus-wide pajama party was it called the links or something like that the links it was, party yeah, it was something it was something like i thought it was at a golf course sounding like i thought it was what you said you thought it was a golf tournament yeah I did too. Like, I thought it was like a ballroom, like it was gonna be like a whole like benefit or something like that. Like I thought it was like a benefit. Like yeah, because Jeff is like kids. <laughs> yeah, for a bunch of Harvard kids. Yeah, because Jeff is like, did you get tickets to the links? And I thought like, oh, is this like a country club golf party for Harvard students or something? Yeah. But it's just a pajama party. Maybe there's a hall called like Links Hall or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, but that makes that makes it's sense. It's just a yeah. big party. So. So there's like a really cute moment where Jeff, so Everett comes home with tickets to this party. And at this point, Simon is living with them. We've jumped over a lot, like, so we can go back. But Simon well, is well, living this, with them at this point. We always because, go back and forth anyway. So it's like, Yeah. <laughs> and so Jeff comes in with these two tickets and he's like, I got two tickets for no, you. No, it was Everett. Everett came Sorry. in with two tickets. Ever yeah. comes in with two tickets and Jeff comes in through me. He's like, Oh, was that tickets to the Lynx party? And Everett's like, Sorry, I gave my ticket to I gave a ticket to Monty. And Jeff was like, Well, then I'll go with Monty because Monty doesn't have a date. And Monty's like, I'm taking Simon. And I thought that was really cute. I thought that like, was cute too. And then and then Courtney's like, Okay, Jeff, you can come with me. And they're like, Oh, you're not gonna take the face with you? And she's like, Oh, that would mean we'd have to make up. Like they were in a broken up state right, state right. at that point. Like she dropped hints previously that her and the face were no longer an item. And then at the party, she's dancing with who you presume is the face or mm-hmm. a member of like a Scandinavian downhill ski team. I don't know. <laughs> but and they have like an argument. And she storms out and Simon gives Monty this advice like, 
I know you love her. And this is a moment when I'm like, I think Simon is a little too on the nose. I wish that they had built up this throughout the movie with Simon and Monty talking about Courtney. So you know that there's like, like sort of something in the works where Simon is, has given Monty some advice, but to drop it all in one moment kind of bothered me. Yeah. And, and then Monty leaves the party and finds her and she goes what are you doing and he says I'm ending our friendship and then kisses her and I don't like that line because I think that seems like so overdramatic yeah I get the the spirit behind it like why they would have him say that but I still don't like it and then yeah and then all of a sudden they're like in a relationship and and that's fine with me I as far as Simon kind of coming up with that little quip maybe he had just you know observed like kind of something between them over time as he's lived with them um but i also agree with you that it seems kind of like it's kind of like out of left field like it's not (laughs) it's an example of like the platitudes that i was talking about was that simon says to monty like go over there and tell her that you like her, you, you know, you want to be with her or something. And Monty's like, I've tried to tell her things for four years and she keeps telling me I'm wrong. And Simon says to Monty, well, that's proof that she loves you. And I was like, well, that seems like a bumper sticker. Like that doesn't make any sense. I don't, it doesn't, yeah. Like, I don't, why don't you say that she, she still likes you after you like treat her badly. Like you ignore her or she came with you to take your, to get your thesis copied when she didn't have to, or, you know, all these little things that she's done for him are more proof that she is interested in him than this weird concept of her arguing with him, you know? Yeah, like, I can, I mean, I've argued with plenty of people. doesn't mean I'm like, oh, hey, we should hook up later. Like, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah, I don't. (laughs) So, but I don't mind, like, I knew, I mean, obviously, I had seen the movie before, but even if it was my first time seeing it, I would know that they were going to end up together. And yeah. I thought it was it was a nice romance because it wasn't heavy handed either. Yeah, it was a nice subplot. Mm-hmm. It was like um, one of my favorite subplots, like romantic subplots, is in Legally Blonde with Emmett and Elle because it's like you see them, they're flirting, and then later they get together, and it's never like super focused on because it's more focused on her becoming like you know. Um, but it's also like, oh, he's this great supportive guy. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, yeah, it's it's that's that's kind of like the same idea where it's a subplot and that's it. And it's it's not supposed to be have a lot of focus on it. And it's it it is what it is, and it's nice and it's there, and they did it, and that's good. But um, I definitely agree that there could have been a little bit more focus on that. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's terrible. It's definitely not mm-hmm. the worst way I've, I've seen to introduce a love interest. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I just, I think, yeah, my main thing is I just don't like, like, it kind of goes along with the trope I talked to, I talked about earlier where like a silent character suddenly like drops a load of wisdom. I kind yeah. of didn't like that there was no discussion of them being in a relationship and then Simon pulls out these like pearls all of a sudden and it and it clicks like 
I, I think that there maybe should have been a little bit more throughout the movie and and I would have been happy with that. But I I like I agree with you. Like I think it's a nice subplot. And it's it yeah. makes sense. Like you want them to, to be together because they care about each other, obviously, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um so do you want to talk about like Simon and his whole past and everything and yeah, how he ends up at the house? Yeah. So <clears throat> it's revealed that he had left his son and his wife, which was kind of parallel to uh monty's father leaving him right mm-hmm. and um which comes up later and you find out that he that uh simon joined the the what was it the merchant marines oh and he... i i wanted to talk about this like much like midterms and school tropes i feel like are the merchant marines even a real thing because i can name three movies that mentioned the merchant marines but in my real life like in real life i've never heard anyone talk about them so i don't know if they're just like a made-up thing for movies or if they were not nearly as big as movies make them out to be but yes merchant marines are a real thing <laughs> apparently um i have no idea what they are what they mean i'm like are they part of the military when i hear the word merchant i'm like do they sell things is it cargo like what you know what is it maybe the merchant marines are responsible for the suez canal fiasco (laughs) (laughs) it's like i don't yeah i don't know so he was part of the so simon was part of the merchant marines and he was working a lot around a lot of asbestos Let's and. see. Hang on. I'm being a Marine as best as I can. Uh, <laughs> the United States Merchant Marine refers to either United States civilian mariners or to U.S. civilian and federally owned merchant vessels. So that should clear it up. Oh, so it's like you just work on a vessel that. OK, so it was kind of right. The United States Merchant Marine Academy is a federal service academy that educates leaders of exemplary character who are inspired to serve the national security, marine transportation, and... I lost it. Oh, and economic needs of the United States as licensed merchant marine officers and commissioned officers in the armed forces. That's so bizarre. Anyway, okay, so it is a real thing. So okay, so he was around a lot of asbestos, right? So he's around a lot of asbestos, and they, the people who were, you know, forcing him to be around this asbestos, knew that it was going to kill them eventually, and he was going to have a lot of lung problems because, which, I have to say that this kind of bothered me because it felt like it was seriously breaking some <laughs> some laws here, but um, and there's a scene where the doctor's talking to Monty about what's going on with Simon, and I was like whoa (laughs) yeah what gives why what like what yeah like how is this appropriate this is breaking hipaa law like you were you were straight up breaking the law like you could lose your license by telling like monty about simon's issues because he's not like he's not his kid he's not well and even if that you know i don't they could have solved they could have easily solved that by just having her talk to both him and Simon at the same time. Like yeah, Simon could be like, I don't mind if Monty's here, but why is he in a private meeting with Simon's yes. doctor? Yeah. Yeah. That I thought that that was so bizarre. Like I didn't understand why Simon couldn't have been there too. And it was like, it was just like, <laughs> well, I was wondering where Simon was. Like, did he just like go to the bathroom and you decided to like give his diagnosis to this kid that's with him? Like, where is Simon? Because I agree with you. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would she be educating Monty on this situation? They're not even related. 
Right. And it's like, it'd be one thing if like Simon, like what you said, had got, had been like, okay, I have to go to the bathroom. And then you see him leave the room. And, and then Monty's like, can you just explain to me like what happens with the lungs when someone breathes in asbestos or something like that? Or we when see it- something where Simon says to the doctor, like, listen, I don't care if Simon's here. I want him to hear all this Monty's just so we here. know. Yeah. Just <laughs> so we know, like, like you said, there's no like HIPAA violations right. in <laughs> like, movies. If I see a HIPAA violation, I get really angry. No. <laughs> Are you being sarcastic? I'm being sarcastic. Yeah, I do. <laughs> no, I just like I like I like just using like the correct terminology for it is what made me it amused me. But yeah, no, I agree. It doesn't make sense. It's nonsense. No, it doesn't make yeah. any sense at all. And I mean, it's it's a good it's a good vehicle for the way for the audience to understand what's going on. But it was poorly done. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a good vehicle if she would have been talking to Monty and Simon. But the yeah. fact that it was just Monty kind of seemed like, okay. Again, well, thanks for letting us know, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Yeah. So asbestos sounds brutal and like a really terrible thing to deal with. So, you know, my, or, uh, you know, Simon's dying of this, this asbestos i don't know what you call it like poisoning or something like that yeah i'm not sure if it's yeah it's something in his lungs yeah yeah and um and he couldn't work anymore and so that's why he was homeless but you know they they make a reference to him not collecting on his social security or anything like that so um i think it was for simon it was probably a pride thing that he was like no I'm fine on my own. You know, he had like the whole boiler room. So that was, at least he was like warm during the winter, you know, may not be home, but it's someplace. So it's like, it's better than living on the street. And, and then it's revealed later when, uh, Monty breaks their, their agreement when he, what does he do? He lies. Oh yeah. He lies about the basement being flooded or whatever. And Simon takes off and he ends up like on, like the Harvard version of Skid Row. And (laughs) it's true. (laughs) Which, by the way, okay, so funny story about Skid Row. Well, not funny story. Well, I (laughs) only want to hear funny stories about Skid Row. (laughs) So I always, like, I don't know if this is going to be funny to people, but and I feel like an idiot. But, like, I had always thought Skid Row was, like. A band. No. (laughs) No, was, like kind of like one of those like um references that like people just make because it's just like one of those things you know what I mean I had no idea until I saw the documentary for Hotel Cecil that Skid Row is like actually a place in LA like I oh okay no fucking idea it was a real place yeah I always thought it was like a euphemism for like an alley where homeless people live yeah like if someone said like like ghetto because like like ghetto the term ghetto is um like people now use it as kind of like a derogatory term but the term ghetto was used as a place where people of like similar backgrounds or demographics were put in the same area like that they like during world war ii like the you know Jewish people were put in ghettos um but you know as time changed so his language so now ghetto means something a little bit different so i thought that that was kind of like what it meant like it was kind of like along the same terms of ghetto and i didn't realize it was a real place and now i hear it 
all the time and it's so weird and it's like and now I'm like oh my god I'm like there's so many references to Skid Row that like at 34 years of age I'm finally like oh my god that's a real place what yeah (laughs) is there like real estate there I'm looking it up right now and I didn't know it was a real place either in downtown Los Angeles it sounds like a terrible place it's It's like also known as Central City East. So I like that you can choose between the two the two <laughs> names and they opted for Skid Row because I'm looking at the map and it says Skid Row, not Central City East. Well, yeah, what were you um, saying? It's like a lot of people go there when they have severe mental illnesses and can't work. It's like a big homeless population. Um, a lot of drugs are sold there. There's a lot of people that get killed there. It's like a very, very dangerous area and it sounds like a very... Um, it, it it has a lot of history to it as well. This the is a very. Thing, it sounds very sad. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So anyway, so Simon was in you know Harvard's or Boston's version of Skid, Skid Row. Boston. 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 Skid Row. Um, <laughs> there's like this joke that I've been hearing where um, people are saying. Because, like, they always, like, there's, like, this ongoing joke that if you're from Harvard or you went to Harvard, like, you always want to tell people that you went, like, to Harvard, you know, like, in, uh, yeah. in um, The Spy Who Dumped Me. He's yeah. like, well, I went to Harvard, and the, and like, the guy goes, oh, you took two minutes to say it that time, and he's like, I had to say it for reference, <laughs> so they <laughs> understand. <laughs> anyway, there's, like, this ongoing joke where now people are saying if someone says that they're from harvard you just act like you have no idea what that is and it pisses them off i think that's fun to do anyway remember when we first met and you were talking about smoking weed and i said something (laughs) you were like and i and i said what is weed and you said (laughs) weed like marijuana and i was like no i don't and you were like like the look on your face is was so priceless because you were like, you don't, you don't know what marijuana is. And I, and then I was like, I'm kidding. I know what it is. And you, <laughs> so I think that's fun to do. And then you just kept, kept doing it to me ever since. <laughs> I think it's fun. I recommend anybody try it. If you want to get a laugh for yourself. Yeah. Because <laughs> one time I said to somebody, there was a guy that I worked with. I may have told this story before, so I apologize. I'm going to tell it again for you or new listeners but okay when i worked at the movie theater um we used to have a little radio in the back room so when we were cleaning at the end of the night we'd turn the radio on and there was a, a guy that was younger than me and we were working together cleaning and a song by led zeppelin came on and the guy was like yes yes i love this song and i was like who is this and i didn't i legitimately didn't know who it was and he said oh this is led zeppelin and i went and i know who led zeppelin is obviously but i said led zeppelin oh, that is the band that Paul McCartney started after John Lennon was shot, right? And he looked at me and he looked me dead in the eyes and he said, you are dumb as hell. (laughs) I've never heard that story before. (laughs) And then I started laughing because I, and I said, I'm kidding. I know who Led Zeppelin is. Anyway, I just, I'll always remember him looking at me and going, you are dumb as hell. hilarious that is so funny yeah um no i so like the thing with harvard now is people people are saying like so you're like i'm sorry what did you say did you say harvard (laughs) harvard well i don't oh it's a school in boston 
Um, so like community college, community, like Boston, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Boston exactly. Community College. It's like it's an IB League school. So IB IB League is it? So it's covered in ivy. Why is that? Like, like who cares I believe about? school. So it's like a religious school. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be kind of fun. I, <laughs> who yeah. cares if it's covered in a bunch of vines? I don't care about that. Why are you telling me about an ivy league school? <laughs> <laughs> they have a hard oh, time. Uh, they have a hard time convincing people it's a good school if you don't know what it is. I yeah. guess. But yeah. anyway. Harvard Skid Row. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yep. Harvard Skid Row. So Simon ends up on Harvard Skid Row. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, we've said that joke about 14 times. Now, I really so. <laughs> I really, really like I really like the little montage of when he brings Simon to live in the house. So like all the housemates are gone for the Christmas holidays. Yeah. And he brings Simon to live there and gives him the room, the attic room where their roommate who like had a crack up left. And um, I like that room. I thought that room. Was I know. Cool. Like, why wouldn't one of them move into it? I would have moved into it in a heartbeat. Right. If my roommate dropped out of school and left, I'd be like, "Who? I'm getting the attic. But anyway, yeah. so <laughs> right. and I just like that, how they were just like living together. They were just roommates. And they were friends. And and um. And then, so one of the like very small subplots is that Everett had this rooster that he would like use rooster sound effects on his radio show. So he had this rooster living with him in the house. And it actually is, like, so is that the only reason he had the rooster? Because I was so confused as to why he had that rooster. I thought it was like part of a project or something or. Yeah. Cause there's a moment in the movie where he's like, cause I think Jeff or one of them was like annoyed by the rooster and Everett's like, I need the rooster. The rooster is a pivotal part of my radio show. Oh, so I'm, okay. I'm pretty sure that's the only reason. Um, if there was another reason I may have missed it, but, uh, but then there's, and it tricked me, this part tricked me and I actually was very amused by it. So it's new year's Eve and Simon calls to Monty and Simon's like, Monty dinner's ready. And they're sitting down to eat and it's this delicious feast and Monty takes a bite and he's like, oh my gosh, this chicken is so good. And Simon, and, and he's like, when did you get have time to go to the store? And Simon was like, store? I don't go to the store. I use what I have. And then that's when Monty realizes that Simon has cooked the, the rooster. Yeah. And I don't oh know why, God. but I really liked that. I thought it was <laughs> really amusing because it tricked me even because I forgot that there was a rooster in the yeah. movie, you know. I did too. I did too. Yeah. Um, and then I like I liked Everett's reaction when he came home. They're like, "Yeah, we ate your rooster," and he was like, "You guys!" Like it was <laughs> no. so like he was so casual about it. I was surprised that he wasn't more like. I mean, he did say several times that he hated that rooster. So I I just don't understand why he kept it because I was like, you clearly don't like this animal. Like. Go let it live on kept a farm it, we'll be happier, you know? He kept it because he knew there would be a joke later for oh, yeah. Simon to cook yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, that must have been it. Um, but he was, like, so, like, unaffected. He's just like, you guys ate my rooster. Ridiculous. So silly. <laughs> You're so silly. <laughs> so, yeah, I like, I like that Simon became, like, a roommate finally, and they had some good times living together yeah. for a little while while he was sort of convalescing on the verge of like passing away because of his illness but he you know they had like good moments and um 
and he fixed like he told Everett he'd fix the van and he got the van working and it was it's just I don't know it was very sweet it was a sweet um sort of bridge in the movie I thought and even Jeff started coming around yeah I, I liked I liked Simon as a character I thought he was a very complex character that like initially you're kind of like this guy's just obnoxious but he's really got a lot of um really like good life experience and and he's a person that you know I mean I think at the end of the day it's easy to forget that people who um are living on the streets or homeless or whatever um like are people you know at the end of the day and and even at the beginning of the day yeah (laughs) again and it's it's easy to walk by someone and dismiss them but what Simon had been through and and you know he had a lot of pain in his own experience and he messed up and he was did very human things and and he was just such a likable person and a likable character that you kind of just like that's why when he passed away I cried (laughs) because I was just like oh no okay okay I'm fine now I'm fine (laughs) you know yeah Um, yeah I um I thought that the way that they did that was really nice. It was a very like well done scene and and the, actually what started it what started me getting all emotional was when he wanted to go visit his son. And then yeah, his son came out and he kind of just like clearly didn't want to talk to his dad and I can totally understand why. But then the the granddaughter came out and and she's like, "Who is this, Daddy?" And and the the son was just like, "It's nobody." And you can see Simon started getting emotional and started crying, and I was just like, and that broke my heart because even though I, I empathize with the son and I fully think that he's you know like if he doesn't want to talk to his dad who abandoned him, then he doesn't have to. You know, there's like there's no reason to. He doesn't need to. That's his that's his choice. But the fact that he like I guess was just so dismissive of it just I mean and it makes sense again he's he's within his right to do whatever he wants but it, I it actually like clearly really broke liked, Simon's heart I really liked that the sun blew him off because I oh think I did too I did it would too. be so easy for a movie to have this like grand um you know like uh patching of patch things up in like 30 seconds but yeah. I thought it was really good that the son just literally didn't want anything to do with him. And I and I really liked that because it it made so much more sense. And it yeah. was unpredictable because I thought the son and him would like share an embrace. But it wasn't. It was very it was atypical. And I thought that that was and I agree with you, like it 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 was sad because I think you as the viewer are also seeing the heartbreak because you can see the regret. Like Simon ruined Simon ruined his own chances and he now has a grandchild that he's never met and he'll never know. Yeah. You know, and a son. I mean a son that he'll never know really, you know. Yeah, a and, son who's done really well for himself too. Yeah. Like he pulled up to that house and I was like, Oh my God, this house is gorgeous and it's huge. I was like uh, yeah, I know. I like that. I like that story too, because I like what you said. It's, it's too easy for things to just work out, you know? And mm-hmm. the thing is like, 
like life doesn't work that way. You know, if someone hurts you so badly and, and, and damages you because you don't feel like you're good enough for them, like your, your father abandoned you. And so you feel like you're not good enough. Like, why would you be like, Oh, it's okay, old man. Everything's forgiven. I'd be like, you can go fuck yourself because fuck you. Like you, you like, you know what you did to me? Like I'm like, you damaged me beyond repair. I'm, I'm broken because of you. So I don't care about having you in my life. And I think that makes sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. And it also sets up for something that I thought was pretty emotional because there's like this theme where, um, before he dies, Simon is writing his obituary and you get to hear part of it. And that's how it's revealed that he abandoned his wife and son to join the merchant marines which are apparently a totally legitimate thing um (laughs) and later in the movie after he dies there's a really emotional scene of monty reading the obituary at the graveside and he said he was surrounded he said you know simon wilder died surrounded by his family jeff courtney everett and monty and i thought that was a really really beautiful way to bring like a really nice emotion out of something that could easily become over dramatic, but didn't. Yes. I mm-hmm. totally agree. Yeah. Because I still stand by my statement that some of Simon's dialogue bothered me a little throughout the movie because it was like too cutesy and smart, you know? Yeah. But I like that they got it right with like the obituary and with his, when he, you know, like he became, I don't know. I, I like that. Like, I like how they did it. I did too. Yeah. yeah. And then Monty like broke down a little bit because it was yeah. emotional for him. And yeah, it, it was very sweet. I thought it, I thought that was really well done. And I, so I have another question for you. How did you feel about the scene where Simon interrupts the uh, Harvard lecture? Oh, that, I actually liked that scene. Me too. Um, I thought it was interesting because even though for a lot of the movie, like I've said multiple times, he's laying down these like things that I feel like are just made like just things that a movie character would say. I actually thought his answer in the, in the school was properly eloquent. Like he didn't, he didn't use flowery words. He used very common language and he said something that made a lot of sense and it fit and it put the professor in his place. And, yes. and I just like, I thought I really liked that moment. And you, you too. too, it sounds like. Yeah. Oh, me too. It was, uh, that, that was very much like where the point where I was like, this has got serious dead poet society vibes, you know, yeah. <laughs> like he, he reminded me of like a homeless version of John Keating, you know? So, um, which I really liked that because I love dead poet society. So I was big time appreciative that it was like, I don't know when Dead Poets Society came out. Hey, hey Google, when did Dead Poets Society come out? Okay, well, Google's being very rude right now, so excuse me one moment. Hey, Google. It's 1989. Okay, so I guess Google was just slow on the uptake. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think overall, let me see if I have any more notes. There was something else. I liked it. Okay, go on. What were you saying? I liked um, when Simon had that like little like satchel of stones that connected to different memories. I liked that. 
um, I thought that that was really interesting. Like, it, I like, because the overall message of the movie, I think, is really interesting. It's really good where it's like a human is a human. And even though they're homeless, they still have, you know, 12,000 days that they've lived that you have no idea what any of those days consist of. And, and you're just meeting them at this point in their lives. But there's so much before it. Like every human you meet, their life is built on just like experiences you can't even imagine. And yeah, yeah. And so all of these stones represent these like awesome memories for him. And I really like that. And then I liked at the end, uh, Monty, when they're like walking out of the graduation, Monty picked up a stone. Yeah. And too. I thought that was a really sweet like tie in. You know, like I, he's yeah. learning, learning to enjoy small things, learning to not take things too seriously that don't need to be taken too seriously. And he's appreciative of the world around him and the people around him, you know, and I, and I think that's really neat. Like he's kind of taking up the mantle, you know, like Simon messed it up with his real son, but now like Monty is sort of taking up the mantle of Simon and he's you know, like, so the good parts of Simon will, will, there's like a legacy for them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I like that. I, I, so I have a question for you because I was kind of like, as I was watching this, I was like, I don't even know what this means or what the benefit of it is, but what are, what is with honors? Like, what does that even mean? Like, what is when you're graduating with honors? Like, is that like the Dean's List type thing? Or do you know? Cause I, I, think- I was like, I'm like, don't so- actually know. I don't. That's a really good question. I assume <laughs> it's like a dean's list thing, and the professor made it seem like. I think it's like. They the professor made it seem as if an employer would look at that and hire you faster, but in the real world, I don't know how many professions care if you graduated with honors or not. Well, and also it seemed almost like the end all be all. And I was kind of like, is this going to prevent you from graduating? Because that was almost the impression that I got. But I was like, I wasn't sure if that, that didn't seem right to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the weird thing is if he, if he turned it in on the day it was due, he'd graduate with honors. He turned it in late. So he didn't graduate with honors. So the only difference is a due date. That's what it seemed like. Yeah. That's well, and also it seems like if, you know, he had actually contacted the professor and been like, hey, I'm really sorry. One of my close friends just passed away and I'm dealing with some grief right now. Can I have a couple extra days? You know, most professors would be like, I totally understand. Take your time. I'll give you an extra week or whatever. You know what I mean? But, you know, if like they're an empathetic person, but I don't, I, I, I guess it was maybe like more of a show of Monty growing as a character because he didn't really care about turning it in on time or whatever. But I, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. Did you find it out what it means? Well, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for, it took me to one summa cum laude redirects to Latin honors. And it says, their Latin honors are Latin phrases used in some colleges and universities to indicate the level of distinction with which an academic degree has been earned. The system is primarily used in the United States, so that's interesting. Um, oh, oh, here's something important to note. You'll want to know this. The honors distinction should not be confused with the honors degrees offered in some countries or with honorary degrees. 
<laughs> okay. 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 Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it doesn't really. I'm just like. So it's basically. So you basically can't just be like. You can't just be like, oh, I um, graduated with a master's in political science, summa cum laude. You just can't say that. Yeah. Okay. So cum laude meaning with praise, typically awarded to graduates in the top 20%, 25%, or 35% of their class. Magna cum laude with great praise, awarded to the top 10% or 15%. Summa cum laude meaning with highest praise typically awarded to graduates at the top 1%, 2%, or 5% of their class. And Harvard became the first college in the United States to award final honors to its graduates. Uh, but it doesn't really, there's a lot in this. So, so I'm not, this like, guy works his ass off and he's one or two days late and so he can't graduate with great praise, even though he's been in like the top. Yeah, I, I, assume that that's, <laughs> I assume that that's just like a vehicle in the movie because that does seem yeah. ridiculous yeah that yeah. seems like especially if i mean I, again it doesn't sound like he talked to the professor but especially if he's like my friend just passed away you know like i'm grieving yeah. i'm i can't concentrate i just am crying all day like yeah that, I, that seemed i i think it's like i would like to know that's i was hoping that this article would talk about like what employers actually think of this because mm -hmm. i i can't see a real world situation where that would matter especially right. going into political science like because i can totally see it being a personal achievement like that's awesome yeah, for sure for if you're sure. in the top one percent of your graduating class at harvard like that's incredible but yeah Maybe like a law degree, maybe I could see, or maybe a doctor, like a medical doctor or psychologist, but in a government situation that he was, he was getting his degree in, I don't, I don't, I don't know yeah. how that would, you know, like what would that equate to? Because I guess, yeah, if you needed a savvy lawyer, maybe you'd want to hire the one that graduated summa cum laude, but where is where is it where does it actually like help you in a real world business example to have that distinction right beyond just and, like bragging about it because it's it's an incredible achievement like oh big time yeah totally i mean yeah. maybe bragging about it is kind of mean to say because obviously i didn't graduate cool well, I mean, at all but like they, i they think they went it's like, to harvard isn't that enough that's a community <laughs> school isn't it <laughs> yeah i didn't even know that you could get a degree at community college but i mean no you can get a degree i mean uh, uh, never mind i was making a joke and i ruined it <laughs> that's okay. hey if any listeners out there know about with honors like not the movie i mean yes obviously the movie but you get what i mean in the context of what we were just talking about let us know because seriously we don't yeah know, so inform us you know inform us yeah. <laughs> uh inform. yeah so what would you recommend the movie i would big time i think it's very i i really liked it it was emotional it was compelling um there was one point where i was like i think i might stop the movie and watch the rest tomorrow but then i was like no i'm into this i want to finish this now so um you know, I mean, like, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was good. I thought the casting was well done. Um, 
I really like Brendan Fraser. So, you know, there's that, you know, and, and what do you, what would you say? Yeah, I think I would recommend it to people, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's an amazing movie in terms of like the minutiae that I've mentioned, but I think yeah. overall it's a very good movie and it's a very good story. And there's a lot of like cozy snow scenes that I really like. I do too. It's, it's very collegiate. I like movies about, um, I don't know, I, I think movies about like college and being in school and like being in that sort of um, transitionary point in someone's life are kind of fun to watch and interesting um mm -hmm. and it's it's just a, a good story of like friendship and growing up as well which yeah. i guess probably sounds corny but that's kind of what it is and well, it's, it's kind yeah of a coming of age coming, coming of, of age, age that's a good way yeah. of, yes yeah. it's a it's a it's a good coming of age movie i think it has problems because partly because it's like it's like old it's from the mm -hmm. 90s and also probably because you know like there's some things that could have been trimmed, but I would, I would recommend it. And I'm really yeah. glad you liked it. Cause I wasn't I sure. Did. So I I'm really, really glad you liked it. Yeah. I was, I was practicing that whole, like I kept saying it over and over again to myself. I was like, I was practicing the whole thing where you would ask me how I felt about the movie. And I would go, I can't believe you made me watch a movie that made me cry. as hard. As <laughs> I liked it. I'm so glad because I thought that there was, there was a chance in my head that you would say, like what you said with communion like time is going by the seasons are changing i hated watching this movie like i thought that that could happen so i'm very relieved that you liked it I'm yeah glad. it was good yeah it was, i i liked it yeah very much very much so it was um i liked it more than i anticipated i would so that was that was good too because that's it's always nice because sometimes I look forward to a movie like Rebecca and then, you know, I'm deeply disappointed. But, you know, whatever. That is true. Hey, like I got Rebecca in the mail. So, woo, 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 The original. Woo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, not the new one. <laughs> I had to buy the original because I was trying to find it all over the internet and I called like five different places and I'm desperate to watch this movie. And, uh, and then Sam had the brilliant idea. She's like, why don't you check eBay? And I was like, oh my God, eBay is a thing. And I forgot that eBay <laughs> is a thing. And then I checked and it was like, it was like, <laughs> I had like a, it was one of those things where it was like, um, the bidding last two days, how much do you bid? And I was like, um, the minimalist amount that I can, which was like 14 bucks. And, um, and then it was like, you're winning this bid. And I was like, thank God I'm winning the bid of this movie. That's 80 years old. <laughs> they didn't have a buy it now feature. That's archaic. No, man, not, not on that one. I'm yeah. impressed. I don't but, go for things that you have to bid on. I buy I was, it now. I was like, I want I want to see this movie. <laughs> so I'm, you know, I mean, even if I don't like it, at least I saw it. And like, it's fine if I own it because at least I finally got to see this movie. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Plus better than paying $25 and getting it from Amazon. And then maybe not liking it. Yeah. Rather pay 14 than 25. For sure. Who wouldn't? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you can follow us on Instagram if you're so inclined. 
If you'd like to follow us on Facebook, if you are so inclined, you may do that as well. <laughs> we are Lena, also... Lena, I'm coming. <laughs> he had three nipples. Three nipples. <laughs> three nipples. <laughs> I don't usually do this, have a man in my boudoir. <laughs> You may check out our website at um oh my god I just watchersofmovies.weebly.com. <laughs> Thank you. I was almost said West Michigan. <laughs> West Michigan movies.weebly. I don't know what that no. is. Watchersofmovies.weebly.com. <laughs> yes. This is a mess. This episode's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud, we're on iTunes, we're on um spotify we're on google play you want to check us out there it's great uh thank you so much to mike for our theme music find mike on twitter at the mike show 42 thank you mike his twitter is hilarious if you find him he does some pretty funny things does he so, i've never been yeah. on, I, I have signed up for twitter numerous I, times and i just so mike and it. i have this this thing so I love Instagram and he'll say randomly, like, I, I don't really know. Like he, he knows how Instagram, like he has an Instagram, but he doesn't spend a lot of time on it. So he's like, I'm not 100% sure how Instagram works. And I feel exactly that way about Twitter. Cause he's on Twitter all the time. Yeah. And I feel very overwhelmed by Twitter cause I don't fully understand it. And I feel like the two of us being a modern man and woman who are into technology and know the internet shouldn't have this, but we do. And so whenever he talks about like being perplexed by Instagram, it makes me feel better about being perplexed by Twitter. <laughs> I love Twitter. Or we cover, Twitter. I love Instagram too. We cover all the social media bases between the two yeah. of us. Um, anyway, so yes, his, his Twitter is very funny. I recommend it. Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just going to assume yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. so if you would like us to cover a movie, please head to iTunes. Give us five stars. <laughs> You're laughing at it. Give us, five, give us five stars and write a review with the movie title. But you don't have to write a bunch of words. You can just write the movie title or you can write a bunch of words. Either way, the choice is yours. Just put a movie title in there somehow, and we will shoot that to the top of the list, and we will review that. It will take priority. If you would like us to review a movie, but going to iTunes seems difficult, or maybe you just don't have access or something, you can always send us a request through any of the other means that Lauren mentioned, and we will add the movie to the list. It just won't be prioritized like the iTunes of five-star reviews. So thank you for leaving us reviews on iTunes because that helps us uh it helps yeah. boost our like it helps boost us yeah and it's uh, our emails watchers and movies at gmail.com and um if you are going to write a bunch of words we would prefer that they be in sentence form because you know we don't have time to interpret your ramblings <laughs> that was I thought that was going to be funnier than it was and I'm kind of disappointed that it didn't pan out but anyway I'm embarrassed getting secondhand embarrassment well, for my, my first you shouldn't you shouldn't have secondhand embarrassment you should have first-hand embarrassment <laughs> don't, no, no don't be embarrassed it's fine <laughs> okay we need to go <laughs> we have to go we're losing please, our minds please write full sentences yeah we don't want people thinking our our listeners can't write full sentences 
<laughs> yes, that's very important to us. So. <laughs> We're looking for a very specific clientele. Yes, only coherence, please. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, What's that okay. word you just said? Coherence. Coherence? Yeah, like coherent. What? Like coherent? 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 Do you not know what this word means? Are you doing that thing again? Are you doing that thing again, Sam? I swear. Bye. Bye. <laughs>